0: Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Sean Stevenson, a.k.a. the three-foot giant. When Sean was born, doctors predicted he would die within 24 hours because of a rare disorder that stunted his growth and caused his bones to be extremely fragile and prone to damage. But by the time he was 18, he had broken more than 200 bones in his body, and simple things like sneezing could result in fractured collarbone, broken ribs, and so despite these huge challenges, he decided that he wasn't just going to survive, he was going to have an absolutely remarkable life, and since then he has just gone on and inspired millions and millions of people around the globe. He's, uh, he's worked and inspired like, President Clinton, Richard Branson, His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, and has appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show, the biography channel, did a massive one-hour feature on his life. And he's spoken at countless countries around the globe and around the world. So, yeah, got and you've written—I I don't even know how many—four, five, six books—and done masses and masses of other cool stuff. So, Sean, it is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for speaking to me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, I, I liked the way um, you started. You did—you did a fantastic TEDx talk, um, and one of the—you started it with this really powerful point. Um, with like your number one sort of one big lesson was never believe a prediction that doesn't empower you. Can you maybe just elaborate on that?
1: Well, it's actually drummed up a lot of uh, upset in people, which is interesting that this concept that you're going to be given a lot of labels in your life throughout the course of your life. You're going to be given labels that are Empowering, and you're going to be given labels that are disempowering. And the reason why my mentality has always been never believe a prediction that doesn't empower you is because if you're given the prognosis of death, let's say, early in your life, what good does it serve you to believe that? Because if you are going to die, then just believing you're going to die is only going to accelerate the process as well as pull down your spirits. If you are going to die, but you don't want to believe that, you have a fork in the road. Maybe you end up dying, but you go out feeling strong and like you did your best. Or you actually recover. And your will and your imagination and your determination actually cause a a bend in what everybody thought you were going to be headed for. And now you're on a new trajectory because of that attitude, because of refusing to believe that negative prediction. You survive now. All the analysts, all the doctors and the experts say it was a, quote, miracle. It was spontaneous. And and meanwhile, you know it's because you didn't believe that negative prediction. And it it upsets people because ever since I said that on that TED talk, um, I've read thousands of comments from people around the world saying that's ridiculous you have to believe negative predictions or your life can go in all kinds of crazy directions and my mentality is no no you don't and somebody says this business is not going to work your body's not going to survive this relationship can't work like when you start believing in other people's fears it it becomes so difficult to navigate your own life. I mean, I really believe that it's hard enough to navigate your own fears. You cannot let into your mind other people's because then you're just going to be bombarded with the world's fears and that's that's going to stop you from going after what you want. It'll
0: be exhausting as well. <laughs> yeah, you're like you said there's, there's enough yes. going on in our heads anyway, like let alone taking in from every sort of direction. Why, why is pity, in your opinion, one of the most dangerous things around?
1: Well, when we feel sorry for ourselves, which is what we call pity, um, we, we have no access to our personal power. Um, we, we start to seek um, people's connection but in a way that they're really not building us up they're almost patting us on the head like they're there it's gonna be okay and that form of attention while it might feel better than no attention is actually more damaging than no attention because it's allowing people to put you into a a box that says you're not gonna amount to much you're not going to survive you're not going to succeed so therefore I'm going to feel sorry for you so that um so that you are you continue to perpetuate that that cycle and my mentality is pity is is very addictive because it feels like connection it feels like a a form of a bond with somebody like, Oh, they're feeling sorry for me right now. They're paying attention to me. They care about me, but it's actually, um, it's like shackles that weigh you down that may be comfortable. They're fuzzy, but you're, 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 staked to the ground. Mm.
0: And like, I didn't mention in the introduction, but I mean, you, you're like a doctor, you're a, th- a therapist. You've, you've, worked with, you know, thousands and thousands of people, like, what, it's just a question that's just, you know, come to my head just when you're saying that, like, what is, are some of the biggest, I don't know, self-sabotaging things, or what? what's like a recurring theme that you see coming up again and again and again that we're all doing necessarily, like, we're all, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot and, you know, and stopping us from living, you know, our best sort of life?
1: Yeah. Um, one of them that I see a lot, because I work with um, a lot of entrepreneurs that are successful in one area of their life. Maybe they made a lot of money. Um, what they oftentimes will do is they will pour all of their attention into one area and neglect the others. Um, that's a form of self-sabotage um, because let's say the, we can boil all of life into three categories, health, wealth, and relationships. And when I say relationships, I mean uh, romantic, family, friend, co-workers, and even our connection to a spiritual element if we have one. Um, that's a relationship. You know, we have health, we have the mind-body, um, and with our wealth, we have our cash flow, our investments, our debts, everything going on with the money side and the career side. And what people will do oftentimes is, they will gravitate towards what they get success on. And so they're like, let's say uh, they struggle in business and in love, but they are really good at hitting the gym and they work out every day and they have an incredible body and they put all of their time and attention in their body. Um, But meanwhile, they're lonely. And so after they go to the gym and they build up bigger muscles, they drink themselves to sleep uh, because they're lonely and they have no one to love and no one to love them. And so some of the self-sabotage is pouring all of your attention and energy into one bucket as opposed to making sure that you're working on all of them. Um, another self-sabotage pattern that I see, um, and I and I heard about this from another speaker. I can't recall his name right now, uh, but I loved the concept. It's not mine, but uh, it's about... The amount of gravity in your life, meaning, you know, the smaller a planet is, the less gravity it has. That's why on the moon, they can jump up and down easier than they can here on Earth, because it's a smaller uh, planet. And if you think about your life as a planet, as you take on more responsibilities, maybe you become a father, maybe you start a business with employees, maybe you become famous, As you grow the size of your planet, your gravity is going to increase. And therefore, it's going to be harder to jump. It's going to be harder to run. It's going to be harder to walk. It's going to be harder to stand up. And that's not fun at first, especially if you haven't built up the muscle strength in your life to do those things. And switching out of the metaphor into the reality of it is people will become successful. They'll make a bunch of money or they'll make... They'll, they'll get a bunch of fame or they'll have a family, and then they'll start freaking out that what if I can't sustain this? Uh, what if I can't maintain a level of success that people are expecting from me? And if their fears start creeping in and their doubts that they're not going to make it at, at continuing at that at that um, level, then what they do is they their brain goes, hey, path of least resistance. Let's screw this up so that the size of our planet shrinks. So let's get in more fights with our partners so that they leave us. Let's, um, let's spend a bunch of money unwisely in our business so that we don't have um, the capital to keep our doors open. Let's do whatever it is that we can shrink back the size of our planet. Shrink back our obligations, shrink down our responsibilities, shrink down people's expectations of us. And so then it feels good again. We, we feel like we can breathe again because less eyes are on us, less responsibility is called uh, upon us. And so we think, oh, that's so great. I, I'm back to a small planet. I can jump easier and run easier. But at your own expense. And so a self-sabotage pattern I see a lot. And I see it in my own life still to this day, is when things start to go well, it's very easy to start to freak out because the pressure increases, the gravity goes up. And you have to be prepared for that. And there are certain things you can do to get ready for the gravity. You know, you can work out your muscles because you know it's going to be harder. It's like when those athletes wear weighted vests when they're working out or they put those heavy donuts on the baseball bat and then they swing over and over or they Throw a medicine ball with they' in basketball because then that's heavier than the actual ball, and they're preparing for the future they're they're training the muscles to say, Look, this is going to get more intense, you better be ready so then when it finally does get intense you you know how to handle it because you trained for it yeah. and that that's a lot of what I see in the self sabotage category
0: do you find that because I mean are, are so many of the self sabotage things, are so many of them done almost unconsciously, like a lot of us don't even realise we're doing it until it's already halfway down the process. We suddenly realize, oh God, you know I keep on getting into the same bad relationship or the same toxic work environment and, and actually we don't all have enough consciousness, realization to actually realize in the process until it's too late. Is that is that a big problem?
1: Well, absolutely. I think that almost all self sabotage is unconscious. I don't think anybody consciously says, hey, I want to go bankrupt. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> hey, I, I'd, I'd like a messy divorce. I'd like, you know, I, I don't think, unless you have some kind of masochistic tendencies, um, <laughs> that anybody wants to consciously hurt themselves or others. Um, with that said, the best way to avoid unconscious sabotage is to live as conscious as possible, is to pay attention to your actions. Pay attention to your words. Pay attention to your behaviors. Keep constant tabs on yourself. Uh, I was thinking yesterday about this concept of how the ego runs the show the moment you think the ego isn't running the show. When you know the ego is running the show, you have control over it. When you know that the ego is ready and raring to go and that you need to be aware of that and, and run your life from your heart or your spirit or whatever, whatever um word makes you feel comfortable but whatever that is which is not the ego when you're able to consciously make that decision then the ego has to live at bay uh, it has to stay at bay and whereas if you just say, oh, no, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm not going to self-audit. I'm not going to observe myself. I'm just going to just go at this. And you let the ego take over, and you tell yourself, oh, I don't have an ego. That's when it becomes the worst. <laughs> Everybody's got the ego. I mean, even the people that write and talk about how you don't want to act and live from your ego, they deal with it the most probably.
0: Yeah, and like – touching that awareness, I mean, like, you, you think that insecurity is something that never really completely goes away, do you? But like, by, yeah. but when we realize what it is, then that's, you know, half the battle. If we realize what it is, then we can stay ahead of it. We can, you know, surround ourselves with the right people, the right environments. Um, and is that key? Just realizing, hey, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean,
1: absolutely. So insecurity, in my opinion, and from my research, is that feeling that you're not enough. And when you don't feel like you're enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not a, a powerful enough, confident enough, whenever you feel like you're not enough, then you start to go down in a downward spiral. And your decisions and your choices and your belief systems, everything starts to swirl around that, I'm not enough. And that's the root, uh, the root of the insecurity. And so what I've found is that, because I went on a long journey to figure out how to get rid of insecurity. How do we we pull it out of us? Right. How do we kill it, (laughs) extract it, right? Thinking like a guy, you know, how do we assassinate this? Um, whereas, Whereas I found that you can't. You can't get rid of insecurity. All you can do, and you already alluded to it, is you can stay ahead of it you can keep it dormant. And the way you keep it dormant is through great self-care. That when you take good care of your mind, your body, your spirit, when you're exercising, you're eating right, you're hanging out with positive people, you're listening to great programs like this, you're immersing yourself in an environment and a set of daily routines and rituals uh, that build you up then your insecurities they don't flourish they don't run they don't they don't surface to run the show and that's just how i've seen it if i if i could find something else that would be better than that i would be talking about it but everything i found that said it was going to eliminate insecurity that wasn't based on that was just a parlor trick mm. and it didn't last and trust me i've got a doctor in hypnosis i got a background As a trainer of NLP, I've gone to so many different courses (laughs) where I I was either told or um, hinted at that this was going to get rid of your insecurities. And what I found is it helped. It certainly didn't hurt having any of the techniques that I've learned, but they were all temporary. The only thing that lasts is putting yourself in an uh, emotional and a physical environment that is... Nurturing you, and that is a part of self care.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something which I mean, I've I've heard about for years, but I just recently, just in the last specifically in the last month or two months, like every single book. Audio, TED talk, everything I'm reading is just again and again and again. Like, you are you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, or like your environment, your your network is your net worth, or just any kind of different spin on the same thing. Basically, the people you surround yourself with are the people sort of you become. And it's it's like, it's just reminded me because I mean, it's something I like, kind of knew intellectually, but I mean, I don't think I really kind of really, uh, embraced it until like, it's kind of really hitting home recently.
1: And it, it's something that. I am still to this day, even though I'm writing the books and teaching this stuff, um, I'm still having to put into practice. You know, I'm uh, every year that goes by, I probably have to take out one or two people in my network that have just become toxic. Maybe they're not negative, but maybe they're scarcity driven, or they're or they're. Um, you know, they're underhanded, they're not, they're not above board in how they live their life. And it pains me to eliminate them, because I may love them, I may care about them. Um, But when you let a toxic uh, behavior continue to be a part of your existence, you, you start to take it on yourself. And so you have to constantly be pruning the garden of your friendships. Mm.
0: And touching on a second ago, when you when you're talking about sort of eliminating like earlier it immediately made me think about um what we were talking about sort of uh eliminating sort of insecurity and you were trying to banish it once for all, and actually like, realizing that's the wrong approach and that actually applies to a lot of the things which are um, maybe uncomfortable and scary in our life. Like, when you said that, I immediately thought of, like, fear as well. Like, doing that's almost looking at the wrong way. Like, trying to banish fear once for all is kind of missing the point. It's more like actually recognising it, seeing, hey, seeing fear for what it is. And then by having that sort of awareness, you know, seeing it, then you can then just work around it or you can then use the fear in, like, a positive way. Like, you, you use that insecurity and then you can, I know, build on it, stay ahead of it. Like, do you think, not just insecurity, do you think that applies to many things, like fears, like... Uh, lots of other things which are, I know, scary, uncomfortable, but it's about how we actually view them and actually use them.
1: Yeah, well, I can tell you, like, the ego as an example. The ego is something that you can harness, like a horse, and ride it. And, you know, you can use your ego to – you can compete with your ego. So, like, um, whenever you have a doubt – in the morning, about can I do this? Go to go to war with that doubt—not war, but go into competition with that doubt—and be like, you know what? Let's see. Let's see who wins today. Is it going to be this doubt, or is it going to be my my dream, my vision that I have here? And see what can you do today to prove that doubt wrong. Um, another thing with your ego is you can harness it to be like, you know what? Let's um, let's go out into the world and show people that their their fears are false. And let's see how many people we can uh, get these uh, concepts into their life. And you can then become competitive to take on fear globally, right? And And by constantly referencing your own fears, so that people feel in rapport with you, that you're not some kind of, Superior being that doesn't feel fear, and it's quite the opposite. You admit that you're dealing with this, and and now now you can get into dialogues with people. So I don't think it's about eliminating. I think it, it, you can harness it. You know, when I look at when I look at my life and the things that I've done, the the stuff that I'm most proud of is the stuff I didn't know if I could do or not. You know, it, it was the stuff that I, I had a lot of doubts over. You know, I'm not proud that I brushed my teeth because I knew I could brush my teeth. You know, I'm proud that I have a beautiful marriage because there was a period in my life where I thought, you know, is is there a woman out there that would love me the way I want to be loved? You know, I'm proud of the business that I've grown because there was times in my life where I thought, you know, who would want to hire me? And same thing with my health and my friendships. The, the things that I'm proud of are the things that I didn't know if I could do or not. And the things that I'm excited about in my future are the things that I'm not quite sure if I'm gonna be able to achieve.
0: That's awesome. And I know that you are um a big believer and practicer of visualization. Can you maybe describe why yeah, why why you're a big believer in visualization and maybe give some examples of things like you visualized?
1: Sure. So visualization alone, just so we're clear, is not the cure-all, end-all, be-all. I, I think a lot of people misunderstand visualization. Um, they think that if, if the moment you start visualizing something, the universe rallies behind you, and then it happens immediately. Um, it doesn't really work that way. I think that visualization is a part of it's, – it's a tool that needs to be in your tool belt, but it's not the only tool that you should be used um so what i think visualization is important for is it activates the imagination and when we're kids we are encouraged to use our imagination no one thinks we're crazy if we have an imaginary friend no one thinks it's crazy if we want to play in the woods uh there were soldiers or or when you know kids are playing like like house and they're drinking tea that's not really in the cup you know when we play out those games as kids it's it's seen as normal activity, not weird at all. But if you and I got together and said, "Hey, want to have an imaginary tea party?" You would be like, "What? <laughs> hey, you want to you, you want to go in the woods and pretend we're like we're soldiers in World War II?" Like people would be like, "What?" But <laughs> it activates the imagination when we start visualizing things. When I you know I have a niece and she's two years old, and when she's playing tea party and she thinks she's drinking that tea she's visualizing you know that she's feeding her teddy bear and she's feeding me and there's no food there but she's actively engaged now speed that up to to in your adult days and when you're actually wanting to achieve things in your career and your life you have to activate that same part of you and that event, visualization is Locking into something that you want in your mind. And then it's not just thinking about it logically. It's also bringing it into the emotional space. Dropping down out of your head. And as my wife Mindy Kniss always talks about, she's like, the power is in your heart. You know, that you you have to emanate a feeling from your body that then drives you. It's not just an intellectual heady thing. And in NLP, they talk about how imagination trumps willpower, that if you and I go into a goal and you don't see it, feel it, believe it, but you work hard on it, and I see it, feel it, believe it, and I work half as hard as you, uh, you'll quit at some point and I'll keep going. Because that imagination, that inner image as uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz and Cypher, psycho-cybernetics talks about, that inner image drives us. And it's, it's also why you see, if somebody thinks of themselves as like the, the little chubby kid, and now they're like 45 years old, and, and they're like, I'm always going to be the little chubby kid, then it doesn't matter how much weight they lose. Internally, they still feel like that chubby kid, and it's only a matter of time that they're going to want to prove that that's who they are. So they'll fall off the diet. They'll just slowly stop exercising, and then they're back to gaining the weight and think, "See, I knew it. I'm the chubby kid." Mm. And that's because the human brain is mm. equipped with a right machine. We want to be right, and 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 the question is, what do we want to be right about? So, like, I want to be right about being a, a world thought leader that gets the human race to. Uh, stop being so insecure and start acting from other spaces and so therefore i take actions and i see that and i work on it and when i get down and out i have to remind myself no you're a world thought leader get back up the world needs you and and that that imagination has to be sparked because willpower willpower uh, is not enough on its own it burns out willpower has a short half-life and and if you try to will yourself into something, you'll get explosive energy, but it won't be long-lasting. A clean burn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you, I mean, you touched on it just then. I mean, I was going to say about a little bit about like legacy and like what kind of mark you want to leave on humanity. But like, yeah, what, what, what is your legacy going to be?
1: Well, I love what the late Wayne Dyer said. I don't care if you remember me. I care that you remember what I taught. Um, and. What? Well, he was probably a lot more wise when he said that than I am, uh, because I, I kind of do want you to remember me. Um, <laughs> but There's
0: still, that's the ego coming through again. Yeah, it is.
1: It is. That's that's um, twenty
0: sixteen. Get rid of it. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. Come back to me in a few years. We'll see if <laughs> I care anymore. Anyway. Um, but really, ultimately, what I'd love my legacy to be is that uh, Sean Stevenson was the individual that rid the world of insecurity. I want to be the, the you know, Jonas Salk is, he created the polio vaccine that um, wiped the majority of polio off the planet and, you know, I'd like to be known as the guy that came up with a vaccine for insecurity, that people look back on the human race, just kind of like we do about bloodletting when they used to think, oh, you know, you're sick, you need to be cut and let blood out, it's bad. And now we think that's ridiculous. But It's only ridiculous because we know more now as a human race. And the same thing with our insecurities. I would love it. Let's say we'll go out 80 years into the future and uh, people look back and they're like, you know, little children are talking to their parents saying, is it true people actually committed suicide? Is it true that people actually had eating disorders? Is it true? And all the self-driven ills of the world that can be stopped. Uh, um, or dramatically decreased that that they do because I uh, started a movement that said you are in control of your reality based on what you put your attention on.
0: Great answer. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? Uh,
1: for me personally, it means that I had a lot of fun. Um, I I find that if I'm not having fun, I don't want to play. Uh, I don't want to even get involved with something if I can't see an angle on it that could be fun. Um, and if I get to live out a life that is just filled with tons of different fun moments, and specifically fun moments that cause growth and contribution, where uh, I feel like I grew as a person, I, I evolved as well as I gave back uh, that is tremendously fulfilling when, when you when you know that you uh, you created something that made somebody else's life run a little bit easier or more effortless and and help them reduce suffering that that feeling is incredible
0: and what is one thing all our listeners can do today that have a massive positive effect on their lives
1: uh, create a when life works list. Sit down with a pen and paper and write out a, a set of actions in your life. When your life was working, what were you doing? Um, were you getting up at 6 a.m.? Were you working late? Were you uh, What kind of exercise regimen were you on? What kind of diet were you on? Uh, who were you hanging out with? What were you reading? What were you watching? And put together a list of about, I don't know, maybe about, 16 different things that you can do that are action-oriented that are self-care-based, that take care of you, and then pick four of them a day to work on. And if you achieve nothing else, just do those four things in one day, and your insecurities will have no power over you because self-care is the cure to insecurity.
0: Last but not least, how can people stay in touch? Find out more about you and your work. Where can we send them?
1: Uh, Stevenson dot com. That's S E A N S T E P H E N S O N dot com. Um, I have a book out called uh, "Get Off Your Butt," spelled B U T, all about your excuses, but all the time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I host uh, a lot of stuff on my uh, Facebook page, so if you look me up on facebook i have a pretty sizable following and i do a lot on social media to help people out absolutely free
0: sean thank you so much for today i really really it's been yeah it's been absolutely fascinating thank you so much for giving up your time and yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be going back listening over this one a couple of times so i really appreciate yeah. it thank you
1: my my pleasure <laughs>